Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Dear eternal and everlasting Father, we come this morning, God. We thank you and we praise you, God. God, we thank you for these that have come into the house of worship, God, that we might sincerely give you some praise and worship this morning. But God, we also come to receive from you. For we understand that there is a word from the Lord. And God, I pray that you'll prepare our hearts and our minds, Heavenly Father, Lord, that we might be able to receive your word. And not just receive it, but do, be doers of your word, God. We thank you so much for all that you do. We honor you today. Bless us in this time. Now let the meditation of my mouth be acceptable in thy sight. My strength, my redeemer. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, if you turn with me to the book of Philippians, the fourth chapter. We're going to begin our reading at verse number four, but I'm going to ask that you read this chapter in its entirety in your own time. I believe that it will be a blessing to you. For the sake of our text, we're going to read verses 4 through 7. And it reads, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. Let me take a focus on verse number seven. And the peace of God, which, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ. Let me, I've been, I've, been, I've been adding to my reading when I'm reading the King James Version, other versions, and I want to read this for you in the Message Bible. Listen what it says closely. It says, celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel in him. Make it as clear as you can to all you meet that you're on their side, working with them and not against them. Helping them to see the master is about to arrive and he could show up at any minute. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praise shape your worries into prayers. Let God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for the good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Very profound. Very clear. The object here is peace. 
there are a whole lot of believers, a whole lot of Christians that are trying to live this Christian life with the absence of peace. And when I say peace, I'm talking peace in a biblical sense, peace. Because understand this, that peace is not the absence of trouble. I know that's what you think that it is. Biblical peace is a calmness in the midst of your storm. So I want to take for a title this morning, The Pathway to Peace. Because that's my objective this morning. It's to understand that there is a peace that is there for you. As a matter of fact, in the Gospel of John, when Jesus was about to be crucified, he uttered these words to his disciples. He said, my peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives peace, but it's as he gives the peace. And God has given us peace. We have the peace of God. And we have the peace with God. And because we have the peace of God and the peace with God, we can have peace amongst one another. And understand that there is a pathway to peace. The problem that it hinders us and keeps us from living in this peace is a little word called worry. Worry is a word that as Dr. Livingston said, worry will give you something to do, but it won't take you anywhere. You can sit up and worry all day long. And it'll give you, it'll, it'll buy the time for you. But it won't take you anywhere. Worry in the church seems to be at an all-time high. And understand that studies have shown that 85% of the stuff that you worried about will never happen. Studies have shown that, that that worry leads to stress in our lives. And it seems as though stress is the prevailing emotion that we deal with and live these lives with. We're stressed about, out about a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff has, got to, has stopped us from fulfilling what God has for us to do. Because one of the big things that stress does, it, it makes you stagnated. Because you become gripped with fear. The reality of it is that, that we need to really keep all of our emotions in check. A lot of times we get ourselves in circumstances and situations that God really never intended for us to be in because we make wrong decisions based upon our emotions. Because we are worried about something or because we fear something is going to happen. And what you need to understand is that God has so much greater for you. The problem is you. God has it for you, but you won't let go of the worry and the stress. And let God do what he's going to do in your life. Yeah, stress, stress is a major killer. As a matter of fact, over 87% of the people who responded to a survey that said they have a problem with stress. 
57% said they have a chronic problem with stress. Stress is debilitating. It tears you down. And you were never built or created to carry the stress in which you're carrying. So, so some of us have become so comfortable in these stressful situations that even we have an avenue out, we won't take it. Even when God opens up the word of God and shows us that, that he tells us to cast all of our cares upon him, we still won't do it. The reality is that most of us will pray about a situation and leave it at the foot of the cross, but then go back and pick it back up. And listen here, this, this, this is another thing that, that, I, that I've heard. I, I, I received from Charles Twyman Sr., one time was in a meeting, and he made this statement, and I will never forget it. He said, if you're going to worry, then don't pray. If you're going to pray, then don't worry. And I have never forgot that. And I've tried to live my life in accordance with that. That if I'm going to pray about something, I'm going to leave it right there. I'm not going to pick it up and take it with me. God never meant for you to do that. When you put it at the Lord's feet, leave it right there. The reality, you, you, you cannot help God out. You, you, you've taken that problem and you've tried to work with it. You've tried to fix it. And you understand there's absolutely nothing you can do to fix it. And there are times that God has to take you there. He has to take you to a place to where, to where you're in hopelessness. Your problems just seem to get worse and worse. And really what God is trying to say is that you, you just trust me. You put your faith in me. You pray and you leave it there. You let me do it. You let me handle it. But for the most part, we want to handle things ourselves. We, 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 we're going to handle folk that don't treat us right ourselves. We have a tendency to lash out. We have a tendency to say things that, that we're going to regret later. Why? Because we're in our feelings, we're in our emotions. God said, not so. He said, if you be still, he said, I'll fight your battles for you. I'll take care of this situation for you. We're burdened down with all of this stress. Stress has a wide range of effects on us. It affects our cardiovascular system. It is a major contributor to high blood pressure beside the pork and the salt you eat. It leads to heart disease and strokes this is stress. And it's just ironic that when you go to the doctor, he, he asks you about your stress level. Because he knows that there's a connection between your physical health, your mental health, and stress. Because stress affects both of them. Stress is what leads to depression. It leads to suicide. 
Because we're stressing over so much. And God says, simply turn it over to him. And what we need is we need the peace of God. Anybody here want the peace of God? And understand that God never said that these lives in which we live were going to be perfect lives. He never told us it was going to be easy. As a matter of fact, on the contrary, he said it's going to, you're going to suffer persecution if you live godly. If you're living this Christian life like it ought to be lived, there's going to always be some problems, some struggles, some situations that's going to challenge you. And I don't know who lied to the church and told them that once I got saved, everything was going to be rosy. I don't know who lied to us. And if we're trying to get folks saved under the pretenses that everything is going to work out for your good, more than likely they ain't going to get saved. Because the minute you give your life to Christ, there's an attack that comes on the believers. Satan is going to shoot his best shot. And it takes you acting and living in faith, trusting God, not giving up on God. Because God has never give up on us. Even in the midst of your storm, God is still there. He's still able. And I'll forever trust him. But look here what he says. He says in our text, Paul is writing to this church at Philippi. And we see in the 16th chapter of the book of Acts that Paul had a dream. And it was a man of Macedonia that said, come over to Macedonia and help us. And this is what, this is what, what started Paul's second missionary journey. And when Paul went to Macedonia or Europe, he founded this church at Philippi. Understand that this church loved the apostle Paul. As a matter of fact, Paul is writing this epistle from a prison. And this church at Philippi had been a tremendous blessing to him. Really, Paul had nothing really negative to say about this church at Philippi. The letter is a wonderfully written letter. It is like a love letter between him and this church. But there is apparently some issues that this church was struggling with. And if you read verse number one, he tells them to stand fast, to hold on, to don't give up. He tells them that, 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 that I understand that there's some strife that's going on within the church. It's nothing really major. But understand that if you don't stop little small skirmishes to go on in the church, they'll develop into bigger ones. And so Paul takes this opportunity to encourage them to unify, to come together, to be a blessing. Why? Because God is on his way back. And that's my message to you today, is that we must, as a church, unify. Because why? God is at hand. And he could come back at any moment. And God forbid if he comes back. And his church is divided. And understand, when I use the word church, I'm not necessarily 
localizing it to this church. I'm talking about the entire body of Christ. Too much bickering, too much going back and forth, too much debating on who's right and who's wrong when it comes to the word of God. As long as you're talking about Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, that he suffered, bled, and died on the cross 2,000 years ago, rose on the third day, you all right with me. I'm not, I'm not going to get Pharisaic and think just because you ain't doing it like I do it, you wrong. Because whatever it is, I'm pretty sure there's some stuff that I ain't right about. There, there, there's some stuff that when I stand before God, he's like, oh, no, you didn't get that right. And I can accept that. None of us going to be totally right on everything. But I realize that one day I'm going to stand before God. And I'm going to have to give an account of everything that I said and did in this body. But here in this text, he starts out by encouraging them to rejoice in the Lord always. This word rejoice means to actually celebrate. In other words, every day should be a day of celebrating God. We celebrate God for who he is. He is the omnipotent one. He is omnipresent. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's loving. He's compassionate. And we ought to celebrate God just on his attributes. Just on who he is. Did you not know that it's God that is sustaining this entire universe that is in his hand? Nothing escapes him? And I'm like David, the prophet, in Psalms 8. He said, in lieu of all the vastness of this universe and all that God has created, David localized that what is man that you're mindful of him? God, why do you think about me so much? In all your greatness, all that you, you've created, you're mindful of me. You love me. And I still haven't figured that out yet. How God can love me so much. How he can love you so much. Because he loved us enough that he gave his very best, that we might have the very best. So who wouldn't celebrate a God like this? You need to wake up every morning celebrating the fact that God woke you up this morning. You, 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 you need to celebrate all the day long that he's keeping you even in the midst of your sin and your situation, your mess. God still keeps you. That he does not discard you and just throw you away. He keeps you. It's God that's keeping us. So we celebrate him. He said, celebrate him. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, Rejoice. And then he goes on to tell us that we are to let our moderation be known unto what? Into all men. In other words, we're to be an example. We're to let all men see the goodness of God in us. As a matter of fact, you should be one of the most friendliest people on, the work, on your workplace or wherever you may go. 
You should be the best neighbor in your neighborhood. You should show forth the goodness of God. It should always be on the forefront of your being, your personality. They say anything about you. They shall always be talking about how, how, how loving and affectionate you are. But for the most part, we don't reflect that all the time. And that's a difficult thing. And so we start off with rejoicing and celebrating God and being an example to this world. This, this, is, what, this is what leads us down the path to peace. I want peace. Verse 6, he says, be careful for nothing. In other words, don't worry about anything. The Greek translation of this word is not really be careful for nothing. It can really better be translated, be careful for no one. In other words, don't let other folks stress you out. Don't let, it, don't let no one else steal your joy. Because that's one of the major contributors of stress in our life is other folk. Don't let people steal your joy. Don't let that wayward child bring you down. Don't let them continue to debilitate you and, and bring you down into the slums with them. There's only so much you can do for them. You need to pray for them and let them go. We spend far too much time concerned about what other folk think and what other folk are doing. And we don't spend enough time worrying about what God thinks and what God is doing in our lives. So don't let nobody steal your joy. Don't let anybody trouble you. When they come to you with their problems, you bow your head and begin to pray right there. That's, that's what you ought to do. Come on, let's pray about this. Because you'll be amazed at how some people will transfer their problems onto you. And their problems become your problems. You become overly concerned about what's going on in their lives. There's nothing wrong with being concerned about what's, but it should never stress you out. If you're going to pray, don't worry. If you're going to worry, don't even pray. If you're going to keep worrying about it, why are you even praying? Ain't no, ain't no sense of you even praying. Because it's an insult to God. When you keep praying about something, but yet you're still worrying about it, it's an insult to God. What you're saying that, God, I'm praying, I'm telling you all about it, but I just don't believe you're going to do anything about it. That's what it says. Tell God about it. Have, have, have that private time with God. You, 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 you don't have to pray to anybody else. As a matter of fact, he goes on to say here, he said, he said, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known unto God. Now look at here, this, this, this word for your prayer is not necessarily the prayer that we say or we think of. This, this, this prayer, it addresses God, but it's also a prayer, the, the verb in this word, is also a prayer that is prayed outside of the church or outside the place of a re religious uh, institutions. In other words, this is a more private prayer that you pray at home. 
Anybody can come into this place and pray and go before the Lord. And we all to come together and do corporate prayer. But you need to establish something outside of the church. You, 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 you ought to be seeking God outside of what's going on here. As a matter of fact, that's where your best praying should be done at, is at home. That, that's where your prayer should be done, is in your secret closet. That's the best place that you can pray. You see, because when you pray in your own secret closet, there ain't no amens there. As a matter of fact, you got to sometimes amen yourself, your own prayer. But it's outside of these four walls. It's outside of any, 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 any uh, uh, religious institution that we can go to. Here's one of the things that, that, that you, you, you can do prayer all by yourself. And, 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 and if you say that you cannot pray in public, that's all right. You can pray on your own. Because, because prayer is nothing more than just communicating with God. It's coming into the presence of a holy and a righteous God. That's what it is. That there's time that I pray and I say, God, I'm not coming asking for anything, God. I just want to be up next to you. I want to be close to you. I want to rub up against you. I need that in my life sometimes, God. I need you to just hold me sometimes, Jesus, and rock me to sleep sometimes. Sometimes I need you to just calm all my fears, God. And then when I come into your presence, God will do it for you. He'll do it for you. He'll do it for you. I'm telling you, he will. There, 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 there are many times that I've lost sleep because I had no peace. Because I was stressing about things. Because I, I, I felt like I was out of control of circumstances and situations. And it was in those times that I woke up in the middle of the light and I began to pray that God rocked me right on back to sleep. Because he'll do it. That's one of the benefits and the blessings. Understand that my circumstance, my situation had not changed, but yet I still had this peace. Another good thing about this text is that the first thing that Paul tells them to do is to pray. And the reason I believe that this is the first thing that he tells them to do is because prayer just does not come natural for folk. I know you think it does. Most times we will we, we'll start with complaining. We won't, we won't pray for it. And then, then, then we'll start seeking the counsel of other folk. We'll start asking other folk. We'll start dumping on other folk. Seeing what they have. How, how they going to answer our prayers? Because really that's what you're doing. You're praying to somebody else when you complain. You're hoping that they have the answer for you that will get you out of your circumstance and out of your situation. But understand, you, you need to go to pray to somebody who can do something for you. You see, because that's what prayer tells God. is that, God, I'm coming to you because can't nobody else do for what I need you to do for me. God, I'm coming in your presence asking you to do for this. Do for me. I mean, listen, I, I, I would be crazy to come to you and ask you for $25,000 and you ain't got $25. You can't help me. You ask of people who can do something for you. And there are circumstances and situations that only God can fix. So it all starts with prayer. 
Notice here that the Apostle Paul did not pick, tell him to pick up a Bible and read nothing. He didn't. He said it starts with prayer. Coming into his presence. Spending that time with him. Listen, the other component of prayer is meditation. Being able to receive back from God. There are some times that you need to come into the presence of God and not say anything. Just sit there and listen to what God is going to say back to you. The problem is that a lot of times we get up and run and do before God says anything. And this is a time that God perhaps is trying to tell you, you wait. You just sit still. I'm going to work this thing out for you. And a lot of times we move prematurely and we get ahead of God. But here he says for us to pray. And along with prayer is meditation, hearing what God has to say. But then he goes on to say that with supplication, this supplication is to ask God for the things that you need, not for the things that you greed, but the things that you need. Here, here's, 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 here's the thing, but this, that, that God already knows what you stand in need of. But there's some time that you need to know that, that your faith is increased when you go to God and ask him for the thing that you need. Now here, I, I, I'm, I'm going to give you this right quick, right? Okay, because okay. a lot of times we go to God and we ask for just enough. As though God can't afford what we really need. So, so sometimes we pray for stuff just to get us by. Just, just, just give me a little bit to get over, Lord. I, I, that's all I'm asking for. But understand that God wants us to come. You ask for the impossible with God. When you go before him, you ask him. If he does not want you to have it, he ain't going to give it to you. But it won't be for a lack of you not asking. There is so much more that God wants for you. You just need to ask for it. There's some healings of relationship that God wants to bring, but you need to ask him for it. There's some folk that you ain't talked to in years. You need to ask God and he'll give it to you. It's supplication. It's simply, and we'll get to later, making your request known unto God. Let God know, listen, God, this this is what I need. And I'm going to ask God, when I ask God, I ask God for more than what I really believe I need. And if he gives it to me, hallelujah, thank you, it was his will for me. If he doesn't, hallelujah, thank you, it's his will for me. But it won't be for a lack of me not asking God, petitioning God. And then he says that we're to be thankful. If you really want God to move on your behalf, Begin to just thank him. Listen, I've had some prayer sessions that was nothing but, Lord, thank you. That's all that God will allow to come out of my mouth. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you woke me up this morning, God. Thank you that you gave me this job that I'm able to come on and to perform up to their expectations. God, thank you that you kept me from danger, seen, and God, thank you for a family, for children, for food on the table, God. Thank you for a car that I can get in, put gas in, and drive down the road. God, thank you for a church that I can come to and give you public worship, God. Thank you for the time that you brought me out when I really didn't deserve to be brought. Thank you, God, for getting me out of the mess that I was in, even though I didn't deserve to be brought out of the mess. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Jesus. It's in these times that God is blessed. It touches the heart of God. When you begin to thank him for all that he's done. When you, when you don't come before him complaining about anything. God, I know I got some situations and some problems, but God, thank you that you're keeping me. Thank you that you're keeping me. When I should have lost my mind, you kept me, God. When my world was falling apart, God, you kept it all together, Lord. It was you that did it. Thank you. And if we do this right, here's the benefit. He said, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. If we do that right, God has this peace. But understand, there's some benefits to peace. This is not peace just for the sake of having peace. There's some, there's some benefits here. That, that, that even though things are not up to your standard or how you want them to be, God will still give you this calmness. He'll let you know that everything's going to be all right. Don't, 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 don't you fret over this. Don't you, don't you get back to anxiety and worry over this. If I brought you through that, I'll bring you through this as well. If I fix that for you, I'll take care of this one as well. He said, in the peace of God, shall guard your hearts and mind. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and mind. This peace, this peace goes beyond our mental faculties. It's not necessarily about what we see or how we feel. Here's what he's saying. He said, this is time for us to get out of our emotions and how we feel about circumstances and situations. He said, know that I am the Lord thy God. And I'll, I'll fix every situation. I'll fix every battle for you. This peace is what God gives us. And he said that it will guard your heart and mind. Now, this word for guard is unique because a lot of times when we think of guarding, we think of someone, a guard that is placed at a, at, at a gate or a door that keeps people from coming in. But understand that this guard that he uses here is twofold. Not only does it keep the bad out, it'll keep the good in. Did you get that? Y'all missed it. Y'all missed it. Y'all missed it. Listen, don't, 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 don't you know that the devil is trying to steal the joy that you have inside of you? But if you have this peace, it'll guard it. It won't let the joy escape from you. You always have that joy deep down inside of you. No matter what, it'll keep the good in. You know, I, 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 when I was reading this, I was reminded of 1985 when I was in serving my country in Hanau, West Germany. I was one of three people who were elected to go up to East Berlin when East Berlin was still under communist rule. And as we took this train ride through the folder gap up through East Germany, I noticed a wall that was around the perimeters. This wall was there to keep the enemy out. It was about 15 feet high. It had barbed wire 
all around it. But there was an interesting thing that told me that this was not just to keep the bad out. It was to keep the people in. There were platforms that had spiked edges on the outside that laid on the surface of it. So that if you did negotiate and jump over the wall, you would jump to your death and be speared to death. Because not only were they trying to keep the bad out in East Germany, they were trying to keep the good folk in. And that's how this, this piece is. It keeps that which is good inside of us. God wants to keep you in a joyful manner. He, he wants to keep you celebrating and rejoicing. And like I said, don't you let folks steal your joy. Don't, 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 don't you let them take away the joy that you have. God gave you that joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So when you come up against obstacles, circumstances, situations, people who just don't like you for no ungodly reason, remember that God gives you this peace. And just like he guards your hearts and your minds, you need to guard it as well. Maintain the peace that God gives you. And you maintain it because there was a heavy price that came to secure this peace for you. Jesus was the one, the prince of peace. He is the giver of this peace. And the only way that he could give this peace is that he demonstrated peace like he had. Jesus never picked up a stone, never picked up a sword. As a matter of fact, he told Peter, put your sword away. Because this war is going to be waged in a different type of manner. It's going to be waged with love, joy, peace, long-suffering. This is the manner in which we fight with. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. This is what this war is all about. Then understand that at the end of every war, there's a declaration of peace. But I'm here to tell you that we're still at war. Until Jesus Christ comes back and defeat the enemy, we're still at war. We're still battling, but the good news is that you can have peace even in the midst of the wartime situation. Jesus came down through 42 generations to give us that peace. That's what he did, he came down that he might demonstrate and show us how to live peaceable amongst all men. He suffered, bled, and died on a hill called Calvary over 2,000 years ago. They nailed him in his head and nailed him in his feet. Put a crown of thorns on his head. He suffered, bled, and died for your sin and for my sins. He gave us the right to have peace, to have joy. They took him off that cross, put him in a tomb. But on the third day, he rose with all power of heaven and earth in his hands. That's what he did for us. That's the peace that he gives us. He's making intercessions for us. He's going to come back. And that's the only time that we'll see true peace on this earth is that when Jesus comes back to set up his millennial kingdom, and Lord, I want to be there. As a matter of fact, I will be there. I'm going to be there. Why? Because he promised me in his word that I would be there. He's coming back. So we have a pathway to peace. But it takes you choosing the right pathway. Starting with prayer. Maturing into supplication. Ending with thanksgiving. And the result of it will be that you will have peace. Please stand to your feet. The door to the church is open.